welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. I hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we are going to enter a time of uh, passing the peace, but I've got a little twist for you today. Uh, the Many years ago, there was a popular bumper sticker, and I have to say, it shocked my sensibilities. I couldn't believe it was even legal to have that bumper sticker on your car and make me read it when I was behind it. I'm going to paraphrase, and I'm going to say it this way. Stuff happens. And today, we've had lots of stuff happen. And I don't know about you, but maybe this week, that's happened to you. Unexpected things um, suddenly breaking. They were working yesterday, but when you woke up this morning, they're not. Or a flat tire, or um, just some delay in something at work that you thought this was going to happen. If you've experienced anything like that this week, I would like for you to empathize with each other. And so to include in your text, stuff happens, (laughs) but then we're going to add to that. I will hope in the name of the Lord. I will hope in the name of the Lord. God is so good to us. Um, In between the moment earlier this morning when I recorded the information about our offering and now our website became available. Um, I haven't checked it just this minute, but I believe it's up there now. So thank you, Lord, for that. Um, That one thing happening didn't last too long. But as we are passing the peace to one another Yes, indeed. Peace be with you. But let's empathize with each other. Hey, sometimes things happen that are outside of our control, but I will hope in the name of the Lord. I really appreciated Rachel leading us into that moment from Lamentations as we worship together with great is thy faithfulness. I, again, love how the lyrics of our worship music blends together with the scriptures we're reading and the theme of what we're talking about in the message. And I hope that that continues to nourish your soul, to build your faith, to help you hold on to what God is doing in your life. Well, let's get into the message for today. I named it Hope in the Name of the Lord. That's the name of our series, but I'm calling this a pause and refresh. And the reason being that we're going to look back a little bit because this has been so much that we have learned about the names of the Lord. We're going to look, relook at some of that to make sure that we don't lose it as we continue moving forward. So the theme verse for this is Psalm 52.9. And we read there, um, and I will hope in your name, for your name is good. And I realize that my notes are not tracking with the um, slide, but that's all right. Um, let's look down then at Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. 
the godly run to him and are safe. So we hope in his name. His name is so good. And it's a strong fortress that we can run to and be safe. God has given us a structure in 2020 for his word to us. We are focusing on what is going to outlast the turmoil and the upheaval and the problems of our current situations. And we are building on those things that remain. A framework that has been guiding us is from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These three remain faith, hope, and love. And I believe that we are being tested, tested in all three of these. Our faith has been tested. Our hope has been tested. And friends, our love is being tested. I believe we're going to grow in all three. Stronger faith, deeper hope, more resilient love as we complete our focus on hope this summer. We're going to be transitioning into love with a powerful encouragement to overcome fear with love, overcome injustice with compassion, overcome apathy with charity. Love is powerful, friends, and I'm looking forward that this hope series is going to just like a wave carry us into that. And so I just want us to understand that God is guiding us forward. Hope. The scripture helps us when we begin to lose our way. Feeling unsure about where our hope should be placed. The things that we thought were secure have shown themselves not to be. The things that we thought were certain have shown themselves that they are shaky. Where can we put our hope? We hope in his name. I will hope in your name, O Lord, for it is so good. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. Well, we began this series on hope in the name of the Lord six weeks ago. I can hardly believe that. And so we're about halfway through. We're going to pause and refresh, as I said, strengthening the things we have learned. And then I have one more name we're going to include at the end today. Next week, we have a different kind of message, which is an interview I'm doing with our special guest, Reverend Carolyn Butler, and then we'll finish out the Hope series following that. But I really want to encourage you uh, for being here next week. It's, it, you're going to really love that message. Well, we began with Yahweh or Jehovah, Y-H-W-H, the name God revealed to Moses in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. The I am that I am. Both Jehovah and Yahweh refer to the same Hebrew name of God. It's translated as the existing one or Lord the chief meaning is from the Hebrew word hava, meaning to be or to exist. 
and it reveals, it also is specifically to become known, that, which denotes a God who reveals himself unceasingly. He is revealing himself to us through his names, through his character, we are learning to know him. From the Jesus Project, it, the thing about Jehovah, where all the other names were descriptions of God, helping us understand something about his character, this is God's actual name given to Moses from within the burning bush. In Exodus, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that I am is that name, Jehovah. It, the, the name YHWH is known as the Tetragrammaton, which means consisting of four letters. The four Hebrew letters that make up this name are yud Hey vah Hey. Jewish traditions consider this name too sacred to speak aloud. And so that's why we've added in the vowels, and we're not sure if we're pronouncing it the same way it was when it was originally revealed, but that is our closest guess. It speaks of God's immediacy and his attendance to us, his omnipresence. It appears in the Old Testament over 6,500 times. Jehovah. Just say his name. Jehovah. Yahweh. The I am that I am. We next look at Yahweh Nissi, or the Lord is my banner. This is from Genesis 17 in the story, I mean Exodus 17, sorry, of Israel's battle with the Amalekites. That was their first enemy after they left Egypt, the first nation that they came up against. And we understood from that study that the Amalekites represent the flesh, which is our first and most present and most persistent enemy. The New Testament tells us that the sinful nature wars against the spirit, trying to take control of those things that God has claimed for his own. That's what was happening to the children of Israel. The Amalekites were trying to take over the territory where the Israelites were camped. And so we saw how God gave Moses the plan to go up the mountain. He held up the staff of God, and Aaron and Hur had to help him hold his arms up. And as long as his arms were up and in a posture of what the Scripture shows as prayer and intercession, then the battle was being won. And so we saw how the name of God is my banner worked in that moment because they were on the Lord's side holding up the staff of God as the rallying cry for the people of God, and that is how they overcame the flesh. So we saw that that works through intercession. My friends, if in this season you have 
shifted into a complacency regarding prayer. If your habits of daily mundane life, if it's been that way for you, have failed to include a time of prayer and intercession, please let me encourage you, re-engage, recommit yourself to those moments of prayer. It makes a difference. We need communion with God. Prayer is our talking to him and hearing back from him. And then intercession is where we are praying for others. It's a great way to move us out of ourselves, to move us out of our focus on our own problems and spend some time praying for others. We also saw in this story the necessity of community. Moses could not do this alone. He had to have Aaron and her help holding his arms up. And we have learned that we need community with each other. God has not called any of us to be an island unto ourselves. We need, we need each other. And then we talked about identity, choosing a side. Now, we're living in a divisive time where people are all happy to choose a side and then be rather uh, dig in their heels to whatever that particular thing might be. That is not the kind of choosing a side that God is calling for here. We're not trying to decide we're right and then get God on our side. We are saying, I surrender my rights and choose God. I will be on God's side. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And if we can line up behind him, then we are on the right side. If we can line up with him, then we are in victory with him. The Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nissi. Next was Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Now, this name is only in the scripture one time and it is revealed to us in exodus again at the time where the people had complained against moses because the water was bitter now what did moses do when they rose up to complain against him he cried out to the lord for help again this understanding of our communion with god through prayer it is so very vital. And please hear me. I believe this is a word for somebody today. Something has happened that has dried up your moments of prayer. And I want to encourage you. Don't treat it as a duty list. Don't treat it as, um, okay, I'm just going to say this. Don't treat it like getting on your treadmill and your exercise. All right? It's not like that. And I know that getting on your treadmill and your exercise is good for you too and it'll make you feel better and for some of you that's like really enjoyable but not for all of us for some of us we just like get this sort of cloud over us when we start thinking about our duties and our things we got to do and I'm going to ask you please don't think about prayer in that way it is an invitation to commune with the God of the universe Moses cried out 
to the Lord for help. When these situations come before us that we cannot solve, and I can tell you the whole stuff happens. I've been in communion with the Lord through it all, asking him, Lord, please show me. Is there something I'm supposed to be understanding here that I'm not getting? But if it's just resistance, which that's what it's been feeling like, just resistance against moving forward according to your will, then God, I'm calling out to you for help in Jesus' name. And he is our help. He is helping us, and I thank him for it. Well, if we call to him, he will answer. This is what God did. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. In response to Moses calling out to the Lord, God showed him a piece of wood. And the Hebrew word translated showed here is the same root that is used for the word Torah. It is a passage that means to teach or to shoot like an archer's arrow, like pointing in a very specific direction. It means instruction, knowledge of a way to blessing and salvation. If we will call out to the Lord in the middle of these problems, he will show us some solutions. And even as it relates to healing, we are, you know, pre-pandemic. Do you remember there was this time in the world that there wasn't a pandemic? Back then, we would be praying for the cure to cancer. We would be praying for the cure to um, all the other disabling diseases that are out there, looking for answers. What are we praying for with that? Well, we're asking God to show the piece of wood, give the scientists the information they need give the researchers what they need to bring about a cure to these diseases we can look to god for instantaneous miraculous healing absolutely yes we believe in that and that is part of what god does he has revealed himself i am the god who heals you in the old testament there were times where a plague was literally spreading through the camp and then god put up a standard and stopped that plague right there he can do that right now with covid19 will you join me in prayer for that let trust the healing god that he will heal but there's also the reality of him showing us a solution and we uh, we need to believe that our mind can be opened up to innovation and to understanding new things about God's creation that will help us move forward in healing. So I want you to trust God for that. He is Jehovah Rapha. Last week, we looked at Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I want to read um, a few of the scriptures again from that story from last week. This is from Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 5. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Why were they walking away from the servants? Because God had said, he was testing Abraham, and he had told him to take his son to sacrifice him. By faith, the New Testament taught us, 
Abraham believed that God was able to raise the dead. And so he speaks out to his servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come. We will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. I want to look at a couple of things in this passage. When God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, he had to start doing some things to prepare for that obedient act. By cutting the wood, by having the wood ready to go, by placing the wood on his son's shoulders and having the knife and the fire in his hand, he is obediently moving forward to obey God, even in the thing that his heart is hoping doesn't have to happen. I don't know what all that might mean for you, but I just want to learn from Abraham personally. I want to watch this profound experience in Scripture and learn from his obedient faith. It's really um, unparalleled, the reality of what he did. But I see that in this passage we see the same phrase repeated twice. And biblical scholars will tell you when that happens, you need to perk up a minute. It's important to hear what that is saying. So in verse 6, it said, As the two of them walked on together, then Isaac asked him this question. And his answer was, God will provide. And they both walked on together. Last week, I told you that this place where they were making the sacrifice was the same place where the temple was built. Well, another reality is this set of mountains is the same place where Golgotha is, where Mount Calvary is. And the image of this wood on Isaac's back walking up wondering where the sacrifice is going to come from, is a type of Jesus walking to Calvary. But he wasn't walking alone. As they walked on together, the father and the son walking together. That image just has captured me this morning, and I think someone here needs to understand you are not walking alone. Whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to, however difficult the road is, 
whatever the sacrifice ahead may be for you, the Father is right by your side. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Verses 13 and 14. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, the scripture says people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I believe that God is wanting to just enrich that so strongly in your spirit today. We are living in some tough times. Maybe the most perplexing thing is simply um, direction, knowledge. We are dealing with a sense of confusion. I didn't read the article, but I read a headline today that said pandemic brain is a real thing. (laughs) The reality of the fog and the difficulty in understanding what is what, who to listen to, which things are true. And maybe there's bits and pieces of truth all around, but could we not just get it all together in one place, please? It's so difficult. Maybe there's something in your personal life that is a a real issue of need. But whatever it is, I sense God is strongly wanting to reveal himself to you as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And the Father is walking right by your side. They are walking together. Well, there's one more name I want to share with you, and it goes with uh, this story. And it's the name El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. I'm going to read just a little description of the name. El is another name that is translated as God and can be used in conjunction with other words that explain aspects of God's character. Another word much like Shaddai and from which many believe it is derived is Shad, meaning breast in Hebrew. And some, but then it, this is divided and many resources I looked at on this have brought up this same point. Some, caller, some scholars lean, lean on that being the main re- meaning of El Shaddai. And then another meaning is from another Hebrew word meaning mountain suggesting strength and power. So almighty God Shaddai. And then this, but the, the, the sense of El Shaddai basically is referring to God completely nourishing, satisfying, and supplying his people with all their needs as a mother would her child especially as a new mother, putting the child to her breast supplies everything that baby needs. Connected with the word for God, El, this denotes a God 
who freely gives nourishment and blessing, and he is our sustainer. So where did this name for God first appear in the scripture? Well, in Genesis 17, a year before Isaac was born. I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. And then the rest of that chapter goes on to talk about the covenant um, that was made between God and Abram and changing his name to Abraham. He had already promised many years earlier that this, that this was going to happen, but yet the child of promise had not been born. And now he reaffirms this covenant and reveals himself as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Abraham knew God as the Almighty, the one who stands unmovable like a mountain, the strong-breasted one, like a mother able to provide for every need of her infant. So why, why do we, why did Abraham ever, but why do we look for satisfaction in things or experiences? Why do we look anywhere else for our needs to be met? Why do we worry about our needs being met? Why do we focus on our own insufficiency? God knows us. He made us. He does not have unrealistic expectations for you. Can you hear me say that? God does not have unrealistic expectations for you. He does not look at you and say, why can't you be all sufficient like me? No, people make up those kinds of attitudes, but we don't ever hear that from God. No, he does not demand more of us than we are capable to bear. He is our all-sufficient one. Now listen, sin would crouch at the door as God spoke to Cain and would try to lead us away from God's provision. I still think about this, this moment of Abraham walking up that mountain with Isaac, and I can just imagine there being moment after moment of decision. Do I keep going? Do I cut this wood? Do I grab the fire? Do I tell the servants to wait here? Every moment of the step along the way, he's having to continue to say, yes, he's going to obey. Our all-sufficient God will carry us through. We do not want to yield to those temptations that would make us look elsewhere. If God hasn't answered according to what we thought he would, he will provide. 
We are invited to walk along with him, side by side, trusting him to provide. Only he, only God, is the all-sufficient one. None of us is sufficient on our own. There is no one gender or race or ethnicity that is all sufficient. It does not matter how smart you are, how good looking, how rich, how famous, how popular, how athletic. None of that is anything compared to our God. We all need to depend on, trust in, walk with, and love wholeheartedly our Jehovah Jireh, our El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. The Lord will provide. As an encouragement to us all to do this walk daily. The way I felt led to end today is to end with the Lord's Prayer. And I have learned this by heart from the King James, so that's how we're going to read this passage together. If you don't know this by heart, I would like to encourage you to memorize it. And you may memorize it in any translation that works for you. But when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is what he gave them. So we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's, it's meant to be our prayer to him. And it contains within it this dependency on the Lord will provide. This acceptance of Yahweh, the I am that I am. This reverence for the name of the Lord. This calling out to God for help and provision and trusting him to take us forward. And so I encourage you to use this prayer as your model as you are refreshing and recharging your time of prayer with the Lord. And we're just going to, I'm just going to read it through, but I'm asking you in your home to say this aloud together, praying the Lord's Prayer, and that's how we're going to end this service today. We're going to start a couple of verses ahead, Matthew 6, starting at verse 7. And again, I'm using the King James language here. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So let's, uh, let's break that down a little bit. When you're praying, don't keep saying the same thing over and over again or try to use um, fancy speech as the heathen do. Who are the heathen? Those who have not entered into a full and loving relationship with God Almighty. They're trying to seek God in their own sufficiency. They're trying to earn their way towards God. 
and Jesus is saying they think that having some kind of a special formula prayer is going to get them there, but that doesn't. Verse 8, be not ye therefore like unto them. Don't be like them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And this is one of those verses that people say, well, if he already knows them, why do I have to pray? Because it's a relationship. Because we are invited to walk along together with him. And when we do that, then we grow in our trust with him. And then he enters into saying, he says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. So are you ready? Let's end today looking to our all-sufficient one, our Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, praying unto him. Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love you, friends, so much. I want you to go out and make it a great week engaging in prayer, living in hope, trusting in God, our El Shaddai, the Lord will provide. In Jesus' name, go out and make it a great day.